Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Praise God. Let's go to the Word of God this morning. Open up your Bibles with me for a few moments. I want to go to the book of 2 Timothy this morning. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. As you look around, you already see we're preparing for Christmas. And these nice decorations and I was sitting in the lobby and downstairs. Come on, let's give it up. We have an amazing team, a creative team here at the church, amazing volunteers and, and staff here that do all these things behind the scenes to make sure that we have an amazing and excellent place, and we're thankful for all of them. Second Timothy uh, chapter 2, um, I'll begin reading at verse 1, 2 Timothy chapter 2, I'm reading from the King James New King James Version this morning. And it says this. It says, you, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I love how Timothy, how Paul calls Timothy his, his son. He always referenced to him as son, his, his, his spiritual son here. And then he says these things. He said, be strong, uh, my son, in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And then verse 2, he says this, And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these, thing, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Notice he said, commit these things, these things that you've heard among me, these things that I've imparted to you and I've taught you. He said, commit these things to faithful men who will be able to, to teach others. I love that. I'm not going there, but I, but notice he, here's a great, uh, um, practical principle when it comes to entrusting people with certain things. Notice that God prioritized faithfulness over ability. Did you see that? He said, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach. Oftentimes we want to show our ability before we show our faithfulness. Uh, yeah, faithfulness has to do with your heart, but ability has to do with your gift and talent. But God says, you may have a great gift, you may have a great talent, but the thing that I'm looking for first is faithfulness. Will you be faithful to the house? Will you be committed to the house? Will you be faithful for rehearsals? Will you be faithful for showing up on time? Will you be faithful? I look for faithfulness. Man may look for talent and ability, but I'm searching for a heart. That is faithful. That's free. I'll keep moving. Then he says this. He says, you therefore, and it's almost like he switches, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Timothy, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, He is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this moment in time. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your touch and your presence. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would... Anoint me and anoint us to hear and receive your word today. 
that you would take the word of God and that you would do with it what only you can do and bring forth revelation, clarity and understanding. Help us today, Lord, to not just be hearers of your word, but doers of your word and receive the word and may it be mixed with faith that we might receive the fruit and and harvest of it lord i thank you in advance for what you're going to do in this service in jesus name amen here the apostle paul is writing another letter to his son in the faith timothy and when you look at uh, the first chapter um, or the first book of First Timothy, Paul is often instructing him and guiding him and mentoring him in the ways of, of pastoring or leadership of the church. Timothy, who was a young man, or where we hear the scripture, let no man despise your age. He was a very young man who was called into a great call of ministry to be pastor of a, the great church at Ephesus, one of the largest churches that Paul had established. And he was undergoing a huge ministry ministry, a huge responsibility that God had given to him. And throughout the first uh, chapter, you see all types of of instructions and guidelines and, 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 and doctrines that Paul was giving Timothy on the organization of the church and how to set up leadership and think things of that sort. And then when you get here to second Timothy, he kind of, he's still instructing and teaching, but here he, he kind of starts having to take a little turn to, to move from just informing Timothy to encouraging Timothy, because what you have in this particular text here at this time in history, Timothy, Timothy, a young pastor, a young leader, pastor in church, all of a sudden who, who the church that had boomed and was growing, was doing great things now had come under severe, severe persecution from Nero, as historians tell us that there were Christians that now were being persecuted. Christians were being killed and martyred. And even in the church here, Timothy began to, to experience and see many of the people who were once faithful to the house of God and faithful to the ministry had now began to stray away. They began to look at all the persecutions that other believers were going through and they, they began to look at their lives and they said, well, you know what? If living this way is going to cost me my life, if living like this is going to cost me everything, I don't know. I may want to go back to the way that I'm living for the sake of my own safety and Timothy himself. Not only were there people, if you study the history of it, were there people in the congregation that were straying away due to the hardships, the struggles and the hard times that uh, the church was going through. But even it said some of his leaders had began to stray away and leave and said, it's too hard, it's too tough. And we're out of here is what the text teaches. And it is in this time, the Bible said that, that Paul comes along to young Timothy and notice what he says. He, he says, he said, I want you in verse seven to consider what I'm saying to you. He said, and may the Lord give you understanding. And he comes on with these words of encouragement. And when this young preacher is facing just a hard time, uh, he's struggling. He's, he's one. He says, I know what you told me in, in the first book of Timothy that I've got a prophecy over my life and I've got a call of my life and I've got a destiny to fulfill. And I started out operating and now, wait a minute, I didn't know that this call and this purpose and this dream was going to take me to the place that I'm being challenged 
challenged on everything that I believed in. I'm being challenged even in the fulfillment of what I've been called to. And he was in a hard time. He was struggling. He was suffering and going through not only personally, but also having to deal with all the things that involve the church. And the apostle Paul comes in like a great mentor and a great leader would. And he says, son, you're not going through anything that I haven't gone through myself. You're not facing anything that I not have faced myself. He said, I want to give you some encouragement. Notice he said, I want you to consider the things that I'm telling you. In other words, think on these things. Think on what I'm about to tell you. Meditate on what I'm, I'm about to, to tell you. In other words, he was saying, you're going to make it. I know it's hard. I know it's tough. I know you're struggling right now. I know you're going through a season of difficulty right now, but you are going to make it. Come on, y'all. I need you to touch somebody this morning. Go ahead and just prophesy to the person on the left. Prophesy to the person on the right. And go ahead and tell them you're going to make it. I don't care what you're going through. You're going to make it. I don't care what you're up against. You're going to make it. Come on. I need you. I want to hear you. Tell somebody you're going to make it this morning. That's exactly what Paul was telling Timothy. He said, you're going to make it. But I need you to consider some things. And what I want to talk to you about is these things that Paul said you need to consider. In other words, if you're taking notes, I want to give it this subject. Mindsets to make it. Mindsets to make it. Notice the first thing that he said to Timothy. If you're going to make it, if you're going to get through this season that you're in, if you're going to get through this struggle that you're the first thing that you got to have is the mindset of a soldier. He said, you need to think soldier-minded. Have a mentality of a soldier. Notice what he says about the soldier. He said, he said in 2 Timothy 2.4, he said that we have been enlisted in the army of the Lord as soldiers. Notice what it said. That he, said he said this. He said, be strong in the, the first thing. I'm sorry, let me back up. He said, you must therefore endure hardship. As a good soldier of Jesus Christ, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this world. And then he said that he may please him who has enlisted him as a soldier. He said, get the mentality of a soldier. Understand when you talk about being enlisted, it means a voluntary act to be involved in an army. All the people that are, unless you're drafted, that are entering into the army or military service, it's a voluntary act that they choose to. Understand when it comes to salvation. Salvation is a choice. God will never make you be saved. And God will never tell you, put you in a point where, where you just, he just makes you get saved. Make you, you have to. But the Bible says, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. I did all of, all that is needed to be done that you can have life and eternal life. But you have to make the choice. Come on. You have to make the choice to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. And understand that when we got saved and when we gave our hearts to Jesus Christ. We were enlisted in the army of the Lord. He didn't just become our Lord and Savior. He became our commander in chief. In other words, we're not just saints that are saved, but we're soldiers in the army of the Lord. He said, I need you to get
get a mindset of a soldier this morning. Notice what he said. And a good soldier. Notice what it said. He desires to please him who is listed. Have a mindset to always please God. I want you to have a mindset that you know that we live our lives to please and honor God. Our number one priority should not be to please ourselves, not be to please others, but we should live our life in a way that we please God and honor God in the way that we live. Paul says these words in 2 Corinthians. He said, our aim is to be well pleasing to him. And he said in Colossians 1.10 that we ought to be fully pleasing to him. Psalms 19 and 4 said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in thy sight. Come on, if you're going to be a good soldier that has been enlisted, your number one priority is say, you know what? No matter how hard things get, I'm always going to strive to please God. I want to please God in every area of my life. I want Enoch's testimony. The Bible said he was translated and was not because he had this testimony he pleased God and the question I have to you this morning is the way that you're living pleasing to God is it the way you're treating your wife pleasing to God the way you're treating your husband pleasing to God the way you do business on your job or in your business is it pleasing to God do you aim to please him in everything that you do not men pleasing the scripture said what I service in other words I only do things just to be seen but a heart that really has the desire to please God. I want to know if there's anyone in here that says, you know what, uh, I refuse to live a life uh, getting caught up in trying to, and you know what, let me just go ahead and say this to you. Let me work work this on through. The One of our biggest problems, uh, the reason why we struggle with pleasing God, we're too busy trying to please people. We're caught up in trying to please everybody. You, I want to deliver some of you this morning from, 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 from people pleasing. Understand that no matter how hard you try, you will never ever please everyone. Everybody has an opinion, right? They have that right. Everybody has different thoughts and perspectives and mentalities about life. They have that right. But you will worry yourself crazy. You will go crazy and lose your mind trying to run around and please this person and please that player. What you need to set yourself on, number one, that I'm going to strive to please God. I'm going to strive to live in a way that honors him and I'm going let the chips fall where they may because I promise you if you live to please him you'll please the right people that you need to please your lifestyle will be pleasing your character will be pleasing come on your words will be pleasing the Bible said that he must have a desire to please not only please notice what he said I love this he said when you're enlisted you need to have a desire to please God and not only that he said you must endure this is the one that that just struck me really good you must endure hardship as a good soldier to carry through patiently despite hardships fatigue stress and adverse condition you must endure Hardships. A real soldier knows that the battlefield is not easy. A real soldier knows that life is not just a cakewalk. Understand that in this lifetime, the Bible says that we will face tribulations in John 16, But be of good cheer, Jesus said, for I have overcome the world. Paul told Timothy also, he said these words, you have carefully followed my doctrine, my manner of life, purpose, faith, long suffering, love, perseverance, 
persecutions and afflictions which happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but listen to this, but out of them all the Lord have delivered me. He said, Timothy, I'm not just going to teach you about loving. I'm not just going to teach you about good doctrine. I'm not just going to teach you how to set up the church, but I also need to get it in your mind that in this world, you're going to go through a little something, something. In this world, if you live long enough, hardships will come. Struggles will come. Obstacles will come. Come on. Adversities will come. And see, what happens is real commitment to Christ and to your commander in chief will always be exposed in times of crisis. Mm -hmm. Whether you're really committed, where you're really always loyal to God will always come to the surface when hard times hit. The question is, anybody can be committed when there's money in the bank. Anybody can be committed when everything is going all good in their life. But can you be committed when the challenges come? Can you be committed when change come? Can you be committed when crisis hit your life? Can you stand there and say, in spite of it all, I will worship you. I will praise you. I realize this is not going to be easy. This is not going to be tough, but I'm going to endure hardship. How do I endure hardship? How? 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 How, Paul? You're making it easy. It sounds easy, but how? Notice the first thing he told him. He said, you have to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He said it this way in Ephesians, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. In other words, it's not my strength that I'm operating under. It's not my ability that I'm moving with. But he said, in the Lord. Now, let me teach you something. That word, be strong in the Lord, is translated dunamis. It's dynamite power. It's energy. It's, 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 it's actually supernatural power. But, but here, here's the picture that it paints. It's supernatural power that has to have a receptor. In other words, it's release when there is a receiver to, to bring it into. In other words, it will not be released if there is no receptor. It looks for a place to deposit itself. In other words, you have to understand when the Bible said the Holy Spirit will strengthen us in our inner man. Your inner man is the receptacle of the supernatural enduring power of God. And what you have to see yourself is not just a transmitter, but you have to see yourself as a receiver. That's why the scripture said you shall receive power come on when the Holy Spirit comes upon you so what I have to do is realize Lord I can't lead this marriage in my own strength Lord I can't be the husband that I need to be in my own strength I can't lead this ministry I can't lead this business I can't carry out this career people are feigning because they're trying to do things in their own strength and ability but I'm here to declare to you this morning if you're going to be a good soldier if you're going to 
to endure hardship. It's not by power nor by might. It's only by his spirit. You can make it with his strength. You can make it with his power. You can make it with his grace. I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning. I feel like there's some people in here. You've been struggling. You've been going through hard times. You've been going through a difficult season because but the power of God will turn your oh Lord. His strength will turn adversity into advancement. His strength will take obstacles and say no this is just an opportunity for God's power to be displayed in my life. There's some people that are going through things. You walked in this room this morning ready to give up. Walked in this room ready to quit and throw in the towel but you picked the wrong service to come to. You are here this morning to hear this word. You're not going to quit. You're not going to give up. You're going to endure because you have power. Come on. I have power to stand. I have power to keep pressing. I got power to keep going. Power to endure. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. Oh, yes, I am. I'm going to make it. Come hell and high water, I'm going to make it. I may, not, I may only have a, a question mark for a brain now. Things don't make sense. Things are not clear. I don't understand all the facts. I don't see all the details. But somehow, some way, my God is going to bring me out. I will endure. Come on. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. Somebody this crying season is about to come to an end. You've been sowing in tears, but in Jesus' name, you're going to reap in joy. You will make it. He said, if you're enlisted, you're going to, you got to endure. And then he said, remember, he said, don't forget this. You're engaged. Notice what he said. You're engaged, engaged in warfare. Can I tell you, you need to have the mindset that we're in a fight this morning. We're in a real battle this morning. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? We're in a real fight. We're in a real battle. Timothy says, 1 Timothy 1.8 says, wage, Paul said, wage a good warfare. Fight the good fight of faith. I have fought the good fight, Paul said again. Understand that we're in a war this morning. And what type of war that we're in. The Bible tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But against principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness in high places. In other words, we're not in a flesh fight. We're in a faith fight and a spirit fight. This is a fight that you won't win in your flesh. This is a fight that you won't make it in your flesh. This is one that has to be fought in the spirit. It's one. Come on. Let me just go ahead and say this, because we got to understand that the war we're in is bigger than what you see with your eyes. Understand that spirits are real and I'm not getting weird this morning, but at some point we got to come back and start talking about this stuff. Spirits are real, real. Demons are real. Devils are real. Are you hearing me this morning? Jesus talked about spirits of infirmities, unclean spirits, deaf and mute spirits that come to plague and, 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 and torment the bodies of people and, and, and torment their lifestyles. Uh, their, their own, their own, and a 
assignment from hell to steal, kill, and destroy. Principalities. Do you know there's territorial spirits? The Bible talked about in the book of Daniel, the prince of Persia that was over a region. You know a spirit can be over a region? And I'm not trying to spook you out. I'm not trying to weird you out. But see, the thing the enemy wants us to think that he's just a little dude with a pitchfork with horns and dressed in a red suit and not realize that there is a spiritual war that is taking place. I want to tell somebody, we look at the news, there's a spirit behind terrorism. There's a spirit, an antichrist spirit. I'm going to preach it whether you want to hear it or not. There's a spirit behind that murdering, wanting to kill, steal, and destroy. There's a spirit sometimes behind alcoholism and addiction. There's a spirit behind drug addiction. I know you're going to be quiet on me, but I'm trying to tell you that we're in a real battle. What happened to the days that we used to use our weapons of warfare that were not carnal? What happened to the days where we used to rebuke things and plead the blood of Jesus and stand strong in the authority of who we are? I remember a day and a time that my mother sometimes going to the doctor and going to counselors was the last resort. If you got sick, she says, get down here, let's pray. If you came down with something, get down here, let's call on the Lord. After we prayed, we'll go to the doctor. After we sought God, we'll go see the counselor. But the first thing we're going to do is put our dukes up in the Holy Ghost and, oh God, and lay the axe to the root where the real problem is. I'm sorry. Some of you have been through so much counseling, been through so much self-help programs. Listen, sometimes you got to say the devil is a liar. I'm going to lay an axe to the root. I'm going to cut addiction down, cut bondage down, cut pornography down, cut lawlessness down, cut depression down. This war is a spiritual war, but God has not enlisted you without the ability to win. Plead the blood of Jesus. Call on the name of the Lord. Praise him. Worship him and declare his word and you will be victorious. Give Jesus a shout of praise. We're in a real battle. It's a real fight. Engaged. Engaged in battle. And he said, if you're engaged, you don't have time to get entangled. Do you see that next word? No soldier get entangled with the affairs of this world. Mark 4 put it like this. He called it the same, the cares of this world. The deceitfulness of riches. That ground that the thorns come up and choke the very life out of us. That we're not fruitful. The cares of this world. The deception of riches. Fleeting riches. Pursuing lifestyles of materialism and stuff and things that really have no eternal value. Now let me say something. I'm going to bring balance. There's nothing wrong with you being blessed. There's nothing wrong with you having stuff and things. But when those things begin to overtake you, when they begin to entangle you, you know, before you do, see, when you didn't have a car, you did everything you could to get to church. You would ride a bike, you'd catch the bus, you'd hitch a ride. Now you got your little new ride. Well, I don't feel like going today. Now I need to give it a little wash. 
Now I need to do this and that. But before you ever had the blessing, you were so caught up with the blesser that you didn't think about nothing else. Don't let the blessings become cursing because you get entangled with them. He said, don't get entangled with the things of this world. But even Timothy put it like this. He said, it would, they were called piercing and bring sorrowful to your life. Those who lust after these things. Don't get entangled. To me, one of the greatest tactics of the enemy is to get us entangled. His spider web tactic, I like to call it. Anybody ever walked into a spider web? One of the most frustrating things. There's a lie. I can't stand them. Walk out of my house. You know, you just, uh, and all of a sudden, yeah. it's going on. But see, that's the thing about, notice there's some spider webs you can't see. They're not obvious. But then there's some that you can see. See, there's some that are not, aren't obvious. And see, the spider is smart. Watch this. You never see a spider chasing his food. But he knows how to set traps. He knows how to weave a web. He knows how to tempt his food and set things out that he not see it for what it is so that he'll be attracted to it and end up getting caught in it. Because see, as much as I hate spider webs, now when I do see them, sometimes they look like works of art. I'm like, wow. What in the world? And, and maybe if a little dew gets on them and the rain and then the sun hits the rain, it has all the colors. It's like, that's amazing. But see, sin knows how to conceal itself and it knows how to appear as something that it's not. And what that spider does, he spins his web of entanglement and he waits till the food gets entangled. And once it gets entangled, he just sits back. And he don't immediately run out. What he starts doing, he reinforces his entanglement. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, yep, yeah. I'm buying stuff that I can't afford. And, and, and so, you know what? In order to get out of debt, I take out more debt. He strengthens the tanglement. Yet, uh-oh, uh, let me not talk about those things. But, but he says, no, I'm going to reinforce it. I'm not coming, coming after you yet. I'm going to just keep wrapping you up. I'm going to just keep reinforcing it to the point that you have no strength to fight. And then I'm coming in for the attack. I'm going to get you so tangled that you're not coming to church no more. I'm going to get you so tangled that you're not reading the Bible anymore. So tangled that you don't have time to pray and worship anymore. So tangled that you even you, you even neglecting quality time with your family now and your wife. Now the career is your number one pursuit. Now you're going after entangle. You can be entangled in your career. You can be entangled in your job. And it's keeping you from quality time with your children and your family. It's an entanglement. He says, I'm going to keep tightening up the tangles to get you to a place that you get burnout, no strength, and then that's what I come in to steal, kill, and destroy. What are you tangled up with this morning? What's got you trapped? What's, what drag is on you? What things have you fallen for that had an appearance of good, but yet now that you got into it, you see it for what it really is? There's a scripture in Ezekiel. It says this 16. It says on the day of your birth, 
you did not cut your cord. When you got born again, there were some tangles that you should have cut, but you're still holding on to. In other words, you still allowing yourself to be connected to what used to be you thought was your source. And you're still entangled with what used to be and you can't get where I want you to be because you need to cut the cord of what used to be. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but the word of the Lord for you is time for you to cut the cord. For some of you, it's a relationship. For some of you, uh oh, you didn't hear that. It's a relationship that you got entangled up with and you're trying to get from it what you can only get from God. But the word of the Lord to you is cut the cord. Lord, be not entangled with the things of this world. I got to hurry. He says, I need you to be a soldier. But notice what he jumps to next. He says, after a soldier, he said, here's another mindset. I need you to be like an athlete. Notice what he said. He said, the second thing I want you to be. He said, and also if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes According to the rules. He said, have a mindset of a soldier. But then he says, there's another thing. He said, think like an athlete. Think like someone who's competing in athletics. And he understands, watch this, that he has to uh, uh, compete according to the rules. In other words, there's guidelines for the sport that he's in. There's guidelines for the athletics that he's a part of, that he participates in. In other words, he can't just do anything that he wants to do. He has to operate within the guidelines. Have this mindset and understand that we've been given guidelines called the word of God. He said, Timothy, no matter how hard it gets, no matter how tough it gets, no matter how hard things are around, whatever you do, don't you deviate from this word. Don't you stray away from this word. Don't you neglect this word. I remember I was reading a survey of Christianity today, and it was the, um, the life, uh, oh, the, the Lifeway, did Lifeway, uh, uh research, uh, did a research, and it said this. They, they did 2,900 Protestant churchgoers, uh, uh, they did a, a research, a test or research or whatever you call it, a survey. That's the word. Twenty nine hundred. And out of the twenty nine hundred, they asked them the question, how many of you really want to live your life to honor and please God? And 90 percent said, yes, I do. But then they asked the question, how many of you read your Bible daily? Only 19 percent. Only 19 percent. Overall church study, one was done, it says 80% of people that profess Christ do not read the Bible daily. How can I know how to live if I don't live in this word? How can I know how to survive when I don't live in this word? He says, whatever you do, don't get away from the word of God. Listen, it's not enough just to hear the word of God. We got to do the word of God. And any athlete know that his diet is critical to his performance. And we have to have a healthy diet of the word of God. Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. His word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. My ways are made clean by the 
the washing of the word. His word is the tuning fork to his voice. If you want to hear God, read God. You're saying, I don't ever hear him. You probably don't ever hear him because you probably never read him. If you read God, you'll hear God. He'll speak to you. His will is found in his word. You can't even have faith without his word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I'm telling you, we're living in a time that is critical that we know this word for ourselves. I love preaching and I love teaching and I love ministry. But listen, I can't go home with you every day. I can't be at your house at some point. You have to get this on your own. At some point, you have to pick this up on your own. And we're living in a time where the culture and society is trying to challenge this like never before. But I want to tell you something. They've been doing it for years. They've been doing it for centuries. But I remember a little scripture I read that the Bible said that forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. In other words, it's settled in heaven. And there is nothing that is done on earth can change what's settled in heaven. Oh, pass all the laws you want. Pass all the legislature you want. Say what you want to say. Politicians can't change it. Kings can't change it. Culture can't change it. Society can't change it. Cliques can't change it. Clubs can't change it. Angry people can't change it. That all the heavens and earth will pass away, but his word will never pass away. Don't deviate from the word of God. But not only this, he said also those athletes, they're disciplined in the word of God, but they're disciplined in their life. Paul said, he referenced in 1 Corinthians, he said, he said, I buffet my body. Speaking of this same reference, if I, he said, like these athletes, I have to keep my body under control. I have to discipline my life. I have to discipline my lifestyle. Let me translate it. In other words, self-control. Well, I just speak what's on my mind. Whatever comes to mind, I say it. That's your problem. You're snared by the words of your mouth. It ain't about just speaking your mind. What come, It's a, slow to speak. Swift to hear. I just do whatever I want. That's the problem. Doing whatever you want to do. The Bible said that he that has no control of his spirit is like a city without walls. In other words, your defenses are down and anything can run in and out of your life and there's nothing you can do about it because you're out of control. Angry, punching holes in the wall, throwing 45 years old, throwing temper tantrums. Because your wife asked you to take out the trash in the middle of the football game. Self-control. Pitching a fit, ladies, because you can't go shopping. That's all you're going to give me for Black Friday? You can't give me no more money than this? Self-control. Discipline. Discipline in, uh-oh. Discipline in my body, in my temple, in my eating. This going, I don't care what, that's going to get everybody in here. Discipline in your eating. I've been sweating grease all week. I've ate so much grease and lump and chicken and mess. That's what that is. That ain't sweat. That's Wesson oil. 
I'm up here fasting and preaching this morning. I'm detoxing while I'm up here. What y'all didn't know. But, <laughs> but discipline over our body. Discipline, he said. You got to be disciplined. And it only comes, watch this. Notice that self-control is a fruit of the spirit. In other words, true discipline is not something I can really do on my own, but it comes from the help of the Holy Spirit. In other words, see, every athlete has a key trainer in his life. That trainer comes alongside of him, helps him work out, spots him when he's bench pressing, giving him insights and tips on how to keep being better, how to get stronger, how to get faster, how to last longer. You need to do this. You need to do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. The Holy Ghost is your personal trainer. And his plan comes through conviction. Don't do that. Do that. Don't do that. Do that. That'll keep me. Nuh-uh, don't buy that now. Nuh-uh, that's instant gratification. Leave that alone. Don't do that. Don't go there. He's a, he said discipline and the Bible said he comes alongside of us I love that and he's your personal trainer listen you don't even have to have an appointment you just have to acknowledge him oh God hey, Jake will you help me real quick help, help me really quick so let me show you a quick picture my buddy Jake when he said he'll come alongside of me this is what he is paraclete he comes alongside of me That everywhere I am, he is. Here's the problem. I'm over here just living life. And I'm not even acknowledging him. Going into a board meeting. God, what am I going to do? What am I going to say? What am I going to do? I'm stressed out. He's with you. Man, we're struggling in our marriage. I don't know what to do, what to say. I'm trying to... to, to, to. He's with you. If we just take the moment and say, wait a minute. I have my personal trainer. Holy Spirit... What would you do in this meeting? Holy Spirit, what do I, how, do, how do I need to, what do I need to say to my wife? And Holy Spirit, what do I need to say to my husband? See, we don't have to have an appointment with him because he's always already with us. We just have to start acknowledging him. Acknowledging he has everything that I need. Acknowledging. I have to be disciplined like an athlete. I have to endure hardship like a good soldier. But then last but not least, he says this. I need you to be like a hardworking farmer. Did you get that? He said a farmer. The the King James says a husband man. Which means this. A farmer that labors and plows. He's a hardworking. The picture that is painting is one that is sweating. One that is working. He's out in the heat all day long. It's hot. He's in the middle of the sun, in the middle of the hottest season. But see what the farmer understands. I'll never get a harvest if I don't work. No farmer walks out into the ground and say, I'm expecting the harvest and does nothing. But it's the picture that is painted. He's not just any farmer. I looked it up. He's a plowing farmer who's plowing the ground out there. His heart is tough. It's hot. He's plowing. He's plowing. 
He said, Timothy, it's going to feel like sometimes that you're just plowing. See, when you're... See, let me say this. This is really something. When God... This is for people that God has given a promise. He's given a prophecy. And he's, he, he showed you some things concerning your future. But what I'm learning... That, that between the promise given and the promise fulfilled, there's a plowing season. There's a plowing season before a prophetic season. Because see, it's in the plowing season that the ground that's going to bring forth the harvest goes through the process to be prepared for what's yet to come. Some of you, God has given you a promise He's given you a prophecy. He's given you a dream. And you're in a season right now. And you feel like you're just plowing. All you see is dirt. All you see, it seems like everything you do, nothing is changing and nothing is happening and nothing is going your way. But I want to tell you that the plowing season is process, not punishment. Some of you think you're in punishment. No, you're in process because it's in the plowing season that he breaks up the fallow ground. Hallelujah. It's in, pro it's in the plowing season that he breaks up that hard heart. He breaks up that hard character. He breaks up those issues that are inside of you that are stubborn and don't want to die because what he's doing is preparing the ground of your life to receive the harvest that is about to come but you won't get to prophecy until you're willing to submit to plowing and process Elisha was in a plowing season before his prophetic season the Bible said that God spoke to Elijah and said, I got a man over there. He's going to carry a double of what you got. He's got a ministry inside of him. He's got a call on his life. He's got a destiny that's set before him. He's over there plowing right now and he don't even know it. He's over there in the hot sun, but he don't even know it. In other words, see, let me tell you something. God has been talking about your prophecy before you even know you had it. And he said, go. And the scripture said, go anoint him. And while he's plowing, giving it everything he's got, being faithful where he's planted, being faithful to what God has trusted him with, being faithful to the season that he's in, it's then that the prophet comes along and drops his mantle on him. But he can never receive a double portion if he wasn't willing to submit to the plowing season. See, there's plowing season before your prophetic season and there's plowing before empowering. Notice Joel said, beat your plowshares into swords. Whew. A plowshare was a garden tool. It, it stayed in the dirt all the time. In other words, it stayed obscure. It stayed hidden. But God said, there's coming a day. I'm gonna take what's been obscure what's been hidden and what's behind the scenes and I'm going to move it to the front like a shining sword but you got to be willing to be a plowshare before you become a sword I don't know who I'm talking to this morning but I need you to know that you're going to make it but you got to have the mindset of a soldier the mindset of an athlete 
that says, I'm going to submit to discipline. I'm going to endure hardship like a soldier. And I'm going to commit to the season of plowing. I'm going to stay faithful where God has planted me. It's tough. It's hard. I don't understand it. But I realize that the plowing season is just preparing me. That scripture comes up in my heart right now. And I want to speak this over people that are waiting. (laughs) Be ye steadfast. Immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Here it is. And know that your labor is not in vain. Your labor is not in vain, my friend. Your plowing is not in vain. A woman knows when she's in labor that I ain't going through this for nothing. I'm not in all this pain for nothing. My labor is just an indication that I'm about to give birth to something great. Come on, is anybody in here this morning say I'm going to be steadfast. I'm going to keep plowing. I'm going to keep enduring. I'm going to keep discipline in my life. I'm going to stay diligently seeking the Lord because I'm going to make it. Come on, stand on your feet. Come on, lift up your voice this morning. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.